Z is an Algerian French film directed by Costa Gavras from Greece. It was the first film to win the Oscar for Best Foreign Language Film and also be nominated for Best Picture. Now, Connor and I do not want to step on Jean Renard's toes today on, on Oscar Sunday because his 1937 film, The Grand Illusion, was nominated for Best Picture, but at that time they didn't have Best Foreign Language Film. So Z is the first of its kind. And that's what we're going to be talking about today, along with the 42nd Academy Awards on episode 13 of Oscar Sunday. I'm Austin Johnson. I'm Connor Izagiri. After four years of battling cancer, Chadwick Boseman passed away on August 28th uh, in his Los Angeles home with his family by his side. Um, it's hard to find the, you know, the, the right thing to say uh, when someone so talented passes um, with a guy like this who clearly had a shit ton of talent left in the tank, um, a lot left to give to the community off screen, um, on screen. I, I really, I'm kind of speechless on this one, my man. Um, this happened yesterday uh, and we're recording on Saturday night. Uh, this would record, uh, released on Sunday. So he, while you're, if you're listening to this, he died two days ago. Yeah. Um, Connor, what, what, what are your thoughts? What are your emotions right now? I, I'm honestly in shock. I, I, you know, I, like everyone else found out last night, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't think it was true. I thought it was a fake link, and I looked into it, and I was I couldn't fucking believe it. I didn't. Nobody knew he was sick. Uh, he 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 uh, had been battling colon cancer for four plus years now, and uh, he knew he was dying for a while. Yeah, but he fought through it to deliver some incredible roles to dominate as the Black Panther to you know played James Brown, Thurgood Marshall, Jackie Robinson, these iconic uh, black Americans who just, you know, made him a larger than life star. And I think a hero to the black community. And it's such a devastating loss. He was such a talented performer. And from what I gathered, a a good soul. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like everybody that worked with him loved him, right. That loved, loved his, not only his talent, but just, you know, his wisdom. And uh, Chris Evans talked about his curiosity about film and about acting. And, and, you know, those are things that, you know, you just as a fan, when you're watching Black Panther and Get On Up and 42 and Marshall, you, you're like, yeah, I fucking see it. I fucking see it. Because he's amazing in every film he's in. Even if the film isn't awesome, he is. Cause he's a, yeah, he's a, he's an actor's actor, a movie star, you know, and goddamn rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. It is, yeah. it is so sad. And this is going to be something that uh, you, a guy you can't, you can't even fathom to, you know, replace or contemplate to replace. Not at all. Uh, uh, he, yeah. One of the most important guys in Hollywood. Uh, yeah. Very, very devastating. Uh, just 43 years old. Uh, super sad stuff. Yeah, it was such a, a shock and just a, a massive loss to the film community. We we wanted to say something. We wanted to to mention him. We wanted to, yeah. 
yeah, we're both obviously left a little bit speechless and just like you said, uh, in shock, like so many people, but, um, you know, our condolences to, to the family, right. Um, to the Bozeman family. And, um, we're going to be, we're going to be watching his movies and talking about him forever. Uh, yeah. Uh, through filmgasm, through Oscar Sunday, through just our normal conversations, uh, that guy's legacy will live on forever. Damn straight. And it's just a shame he couldn't have had a longer one. He was destined to have just such an incredible career. I've been saying it for years. Like he was one of my favorite actors and I was convinced he was going to go so far in Hollywood. Yes. I can't, I can't believe that, you know, incredible talent got cut, cut off like this. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you know, the tone of this podcast is going to be a bit, a bit dim anyway with the film we're talking about, um, which, which is Z from 1969. Like I said, it's an Algerian French film, uh, but it's directed by uh, the great Greek director, Costa Gavras. This is your first uh, time watching this and to see Costa Gavras at work, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. My yeah. S- s- same for me. And uh, you know, I want to say we are choosing these films, right? Um, sort of as we go, you know, we kind of choose a decade and have an idea of what year we want to be in, but then we're just kind of choosing as we go. And this slot on the last cycle went to defy bloods. Yeah. And so, and so it was, uh, it was our second episode ever here on Oscar Sunday. And, you know, I thought it went really well. Love that movie again. Shout out to Chadwick Boseman. Um, again, it's going to be hard. He, he, he's going to keep coming up <clears throat> already. I was trying to move on and already he comes back up. That's how goddamn awesome he is. Yeah. Uh, Fuck yeah, we miss you, man. Um, uh, rest in peace, Chadwick. I, I, you know, no matter no matter what, we're he's, we're not gonna be able to escape his amazing talent, his legacy. Now, these films we're choosing, uh, you know, we sometimes want to choose these heavy hitters. We've done Rocky, Pulp Fiction, but Z is a movie. You know, like you said, you haven't seen, I haven't seen, and it's on Criterion Channel right now. And I just kind of looked at it read a little bit about it and I was like, yeah, let's just shoot for it. Let's just shoot for it. Let's go. It's a, it'll be our first foreign film. I read that it was, you know, the first of its kind in the way that it won best foreign language film and was also nominated amongst four other films for best picture. And Midnight Cowboy won this year, the 42nd Academy Awards. Really interesting movie, really different movie. Um, you know, this is, this is shortly right after the Hayes Code goes away and you have a very strange movie win best picture. Yes. I would venture to say that Z should have won then, should have won now. It's aged so fine, even though I didn't see when it came out. I just, I, 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 what it is for being as old as it is, Z is so good. What were your initial reactions when you watched the film? Um, at first, I was a little, you know, when it, uh, I was a bit put off by the slideshow beginning where they're talking okay. about, how, you know, it's a, it opens with a lecture. Yeah. But then, you know, once you pay attention to what the lecture is about, you're like, oh, shit, they're talking about genocide. <laughs> and then from there, you, you know, I got pulled in. I started, you know, looking at the government and how this works. And I looked, you know, I looked a bit into the, uh, the real life assassination this film is based on. And just everything I learned about this movie, it infuriated me more and more the further yes. I got into this. Like, how yes. could this fucking happen? And then I remember the current fucking state we're in and I'm like, oh. That's out. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's that's a great great segue into the fact that this film is uh, Z is Algerian French, when in fact it is 
totally replicating a real life Greek story. Yeah. Uh, that's because the film wasn't really even allowed to be filmed in Greece. <laughs> no, this, this uh, is a film that was directly insulting the government, directly yeah. <laughs> implicating them in a murder yes. and not holding back a damn thing. Everyone in this production would have been thrown in prison immediately. And this film yes. never would have seen the light of day. Like, so that's why it's in French. That's why the characters are speaking French. And so you can be confused. Um, and oh, what's going on here? And then you, you read about it and you're like, oh, this is based on a true story. An actual, you know, like you said, you know, they're really going for it here. Not holding back at all. Yeah. It's clearly that, like infuriated everyone involved. They needed to, to tell this story. Yes. Yeah. And we're going to get into the plot later on. It is, it is a doozy of a plot. Um, lots of crazy shit happens. And it is just the way the film is crafted. You know, Raoul Coutard, he was, uh, worked with uh, Jean-Luc Godard uh, all throughout the 60s, was his go-to cinematographer. And he's the cinematographer on this film. And that's kind of what popped for me the most was just the way it, just the way it moves uh, and how raw and authentic it feels. Uh, yeah, I, this is something I'm going to be re-watching and showing people. I'll definitely be telling people about this because, you know, a lot of Americans are put off by foreign film. They have been for forever. And uh, it really takes, you know, a, a lot of recommendations and really hammering it home for a lot of people to even bother checking out foreign film. I mean, Parasite was a successful movie, but then after, you know, one best picture and word of mouth got around, it really took off nationally then. Yeah, Parasite had a, um, you know, it had that initial wave of people that saw it, you know, sometime in the fall and then in the winter as the, you know, a word of mouth, holy shit, holy shit, you got to see this. And then the Oscars happen and then it goes to Hulu. Yeah. This, it had, yeah, you're right, man. It had an amazing like lifespan over, you know, six or seven months where it got to just, everyone had a chance to see it. They got to take their time and they had a chance to see it. Yes, indeed. And, and with films like Z, you know, it's, yeah, it's, you know, 50 years old. It's just not going to be easy to do that. And I would also like to point out that while this film is available on the Criterion channel, it is also available for HBO Max subscribers. Yes, yes, great point. Uh, HBO Max has, right when they, you know, put that wonderful streaming service out, they added a lot of Criterion uh, collection films. And I, I was blown away by that. So happy with that because Criterion channel is, you know, hands down my favorite streaming service that I have. So to see that on HBO Max as well, because um, I know more people are going to have that, right? Have that one over Criterion. I get yeah. it. It makes more sense. It's got way more stuff that is uh, like applicable and entertaining. I get it. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, but it's, it's amazing to see those films, those titles uh, on a streaming service that's uh, so accessible. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, I know a lot of people see, you know, they, if they know what the Criterion collection is, a lot of people, a lot of, you know, casual film buffs consider it, you know, pretentious and, you know, foreign French documentaries and nothing that they would ever find interesting. So the fact that they would even have the Criterion channel, like is baffling. So HBO Max is definitely the way to go, I think, for most people because they might stumble upon this, read into it. Yes. Think, that sounds interesting. Let's check this out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, I heard someone talk about this and they were like, if you can only afford one of them and you are a through and through cinephile, no TV, you're not a big TV person like, like myself, Criterion's the way to go if you want to dive into that way. But if you want as many big you know, 
well, you know, classic, classic movies, I guess yeah. is the way to put it. HBO Max is the way to go. Titles that you can talk about, have conversations about, and, uh, you know, films that you may have missed, that you've heard, oh, this film from the 60s is a, is a classic. You have to see it. There's a lot of those in HBO Max. And I agree with you. It is more valuable in, in that regard. Yeah. Um, so Z was, it made us, it did make a splash at the Oscars. It took home two awards. Uh, yes, yes. Best foreign language film for Algeria and best film editing. Uh, it was nominated for best picture, best director, and best adapted screenplay from the novel Z by Greek writer. And excuse me here, but you know, I'm doing my best. Vasilis Vasilikos. Yeah. <laughs> the most Greek name I've ever heard. Let's go. <laughs> uh so let's talk about the awards let's see you know how did this fare yeah 42nd academy awards you know where it's a 1970 talking about the films in 1969 um before we say anything yeah i got it i gotta do this because if if there's any um wonderful film guys and listeners with us here they know that we did a john wayne episode (laughs) and john john wayne I'm going to go ahead and call him a racist fucker. Yeah. He, he won Best Actor at this Academy Awards. They handed it to him for not even doing anything in True Grit. So <laughs> that guy, we're going to go ahead and get him out of the way because the other four guys definitely deserved it over him. <laughs> oh, my. He was up against four incredible titans of film. Richard Burton, Dustin Hoffman, Peter O'Toole, and John Voight. And John yeah. Wayne walks away with the statue? Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, and this is, you know, we, we're talking about Z mostly today, so we're, gonna, we're not going to be touching on um, these acting categories. So I just wanted to bring that up because it's infuriating. And one of the all-time, like, Oscars, like, uh, let's just give it to this guy because uh, he's, yeah. he's so important to Hollywood. Uh, no, 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 no. Do your research on John Wayne. He's not a good guy. Don't watch his movies. Check out episode 15 of the Filmgasm podcast for our full run on John Wayne's career and the absolute piece of human shit that he was. He was yeah, and, terrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if, if you do like enjoy those movies, I encourage you to do the research and then, then see what you think. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying a nice American Western, but I just think that he does not deserve to be glorified as an American icon for his incredibly racist, sexist, anti-gay views on people he was just a horrible person yeah and yeah that and my thing is there's so many other better westerns out there holy shit these they're not even that good they're all running the mill that's my main point yeah (laughs) it's the the same movie a hundred times pretty much yeah the the content itself is not fucking good so that's my main thing don't watch john wayne films but then if you do the research you're like oh on screen and off screen this guy's no good what's the point yeah and even he's even john wayne himself said i shouldn't have won this (laughs) <laughs> he thought it we, should have gone to yeah. Richard Burton. And <laughs> Which I'm cool with, yeah. But the, the fact that John Wayne got a career Oscar and was like, I shouldn't have this. <laughs> uh, uh, it makes me laugh. What a fucking travesty. Goon. Absolutely. So that's our tirade on John Wayne. We couldn't bring up the 1970 Oscars without talking about that. So that's out of the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Let's start with best adapted screenplay. Uh, yes. That was taken uh, by Midnight Cowboy. 
based on the novel by James Leo Herlihy. And then the nominees were Anne of the Thousand Days, based on the play by Maxwell Anderson. Goodbye Columbus, based on the novel by Philip Roth. They Shoot Horses, Don't They, based on the novel by Horace McCoy. And Z, based on the novel by Vasilis Vasilikos. Yes. <laughs> Sounds like I'm casting a spell in Harry Potter. Oh, <laughs> man. That's so, wonderful. Midnight Cowboy took this Oscar. Uh, I don't know. I think... It's a very good – I think Midnight Cowboy's best strengths are the performances and the story. Uh, yeah, 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 I'd agree with that, yeah. But Z really adapted, like, a dangerous book and yes, made a gripping story out of it. And mm, I think I'm going to give it to Z. Yeah, I agree. And something that I love about this particular Oscars is Brother Karamazov also came out that year. Yeah. And lost and lost to Z for best foreign language film. And, you know, that's obviously a legendary story and everything. And you got to love, you got to love that grit in the late sixties, right after the Hayes code goes away. Right. <laughs> I love it. I love uh, yeah, man. You got to give, to, you got to give it to Z. Um, this film, some of the dialogue, like you said, the weight of it and how dangerous it is, is, is pretty, pretty uh, spectacular. It's not often you have a film that is putting the entire cast and crew in, legitimate danger and the fact that they released this and it like made waves and actually told people like this is what's fucking happening in greece like yes. believe it yeah because they you know they controlled the media they weren't you know broadcasting it was fucking north korea for a while so they had to you know do something and they fucking did it uh yeah way to go <laughs> incredible that takes us to best director the winner was john Schlesinger for midnight cowboy the nominees were Arthur Penn for Alice's Restaurant, George Roy Hill for Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Sidney Pollack for They Shoot Horses, Don't They, and Costa Gavras for Z. Director, 100% goes to Costa Gavras. Right? I don't think it's even a, even a, a contest here, but I, I, I do want to see they, they Shoot Horses, Don't They. I like Sydney, so I'd love to see that. But I, yeah, I mean, Costa is... This movie is a spectacular just craft. Again, the way it's crafted is so strong. And yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It's got to be, be disease again. And I could see an argument for George Roy Hill for Butch Cassidy. I mean, that film is yeah. Like, yeah. very cinematic. But Costa Gavras, I think just the lengths he went to to tell the story, I really think that needs to be respected. Yes, yes, I agree. And then we have Best Picture. Oh, yeah. And here are the five. Midnight Cowboy, Anne of the Thousand Days, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, Hello, Dolly, and Z. And we had the pleasure of seeing all five of these films. Yes, we did. Um, and actually, three of them, it was the first time for me. Z, Hello, Dolly, and Anne of a Thousand Days. I had seen Butch Cassidy a few years back in Midnight Cowboy I watched about a year ago. Um, is that the same for you? It was uh, four for me. I had seen Butch Cassidy about five years ago. The rest of them were first times. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. We have reviews up that Connor wrote for all of them um, on, on filmgasm.com. And I, I really, really like Midnight Cowboy. I do. I like, like you said, the performances are really strong from John Voight and Dustin Hoffman. But man, I, weight again, importance, danger, all of these things. Z should have won this by a landslide. Let's take it one at a time. 
let's talk about some of these films. I mean, we watched them. I mean, I, I feel yeah, like no, I know, I know you liked Butch Cassidy a lot more this time around. So I, yeah. I, I wanted to, hear, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. So five years ago, I watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid for the first time. I was not drawn in. I thought it was boring. I didn't understand yeah. why everyone loved this movie. I gave it a scathing review on the website. I gave it a five, and I never looked back. Five years later, this podcast comes around. We're doing Z. I want to do my homework, so I rewatch Butch Cassidy, and I am fucking enamored. I don't know what happened. Like, I, I guess I grew, you know, I was more mature with my cinematic, you know, likes. Five years. Right? Yeah, five five years yeah. <laughs> or maybe i was on my phone the whole time or something but yeah i, I really enjoyed it this time yeah man I, I i'm with you i uh i think you gave it an eight and i would agree with you on that man I, it's just a solid film talk about you know getting mature as a film you know film fan and a, a connoisseur if you will yeah jesus christ you know when you're watching Robert Redford and Paul Newman together, you just, you, you understand the weight of that duo and the weight of these two guys on the screen. That's just a, a pretty incredible stuff. I'd go as far to say, I think Robert Redford should have won best supporting actor for that movie. I thought he was fantastic as Sundance. Let's, let's go ahead and go to that because I really like that group. It's really, well, it's, I'm not going to say I really like it. It's really interesting because supporting actor typically is, I just want to go to it real quick. It's typically uh, just jam packed with monster heavy hitters. Yeah. But here we, ha- here we have, you know, uh, Jack Nicholson, obviously, uh, legend. Elliot Gold, Ru- Rupert Cross, Anthony Quayle, and then Gig Young won for They Shoot Horses, Don't They? Man. Young. <laughs> wow. Gig Young. <laughs> How about that? That's just such an interesting group. You know, Jack, obviously, is the name that stands out. But I am with you, man. Robert Redford should be in that group and probably should have won. Yeah, Robert Redford... He, he, he won director for Ordinary People, but he never won an Oscar for acting. Which, and, is, yeah. which is silly, which is silly. I, ordinary People's fine, but I, and he's doing good work there. But yeah, man, you're, you're, you, missed, you missed the boat on him. Yeah, for sure. Uh, then we, like, End of the Thousand Days. Let's talk about that one. Um, that was a surprise. surprise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Has a yeah. 38% on Rotten Tomatoes for some reason. I don't know where that I, hate comes from. I don't either. What, what is it? Because I, I think I would give it a seven or, or maybe an eight. And I, I just, I felt kind of like, am I, am I wrong? Am I dumb? Am I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Cause it's, it's a, it's a, it's a long one. It's like a two and a half hour film, but I just, yeah. I wasn't bored. <laughs> no, it's, um, I gave eights across the board for all five of these films. And, um, and of the thousand days really surprised me. It's Richard Burton playing Henry the eighth the most insane ruler England ever had. Henry VIII is the guy who wanted to divorce his wife so he could bang Anne Boleyn. And so in order to do that, he took himself out of the Catholic Church, said England is out and we're forming the Church of England. I don't have to answer to the Pope. I am God, basically. And he did that just so he could divorce Anne Boleyn. And then when she couldn't give him a son, he's like, all right, fuck you then. Had her killed and married somebody else. And he did that so many times. King Henry VIII was a, was a monster. And Richard Burton, I thought, captured his arrogance and his just, like, lack of a soul so well. And, uh, which is weird, because Burton fucking hated that movie. Richard Burton hated his performance in it. He hated the fact that he was in it. And <laughs> he just comes across as a very sour person, Richard Burton. Yes. 
but he is, nev- yeah. he is never boring. He is such a fantastic actor. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, cynical and sour is definitely the way I would describe him off screen. <laughs> good old Rich. Yeah, so I, I like that you gave eight across the boards here. You know, that means we have a good group. Yeah, uh, certainly. That, that, that's awesome. You know, when you have five films. And, you know, that, that film that I brought up earlier, uh, The uh, Grand Illusion. Yes. It, it came out in 1937. And, and, you know, it was up for Best Picture, but there were like 11 films up that year. And there's something about a film being up in the, um, like, post five nominations in the Best Picture category, like that era. There's yeah. something really, really special about it. To break in, clearly, They Shoot Horses, Don't They, is really good, clearly, in the Oscars' eyes. It was nominated for all these other awards. So yeah. Z, Z beat that out, essentially, in all these other films. And you, you just, you're kind of like, wait a minute, what is that? You know, and it, it, it just kind of strikes you because it's the first of its kind, where it does, it, it does both. True. But I think the biggest surprise there, honestly, is Hello, Dolly. Like, oh, of this, of this group? 100%. This group. Yeah. And that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hello, Dolly was a box office and critical failure that effectively killed the 20th century big budget musical. Yes. And um, while I'm grateful for that, I did enjoy the movie. <laughs> and um, I thought Barbara Streisand and Walter Matthau were great. They did not. Yes. They fucking hated each other. <laughs> but uh, it's weird to have, you know, so many films that kind of broke ground and then have this traditional, you know, 60s musical that's kind of just like the rest of them. Like, there's nothing really special about Hello, Dolly. It's just enjoyable. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And this is, this is kind of a cycle of, you know, breaking, you know, breaking ground, like you said. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people would point to a film, you know, Bonnie and Clyde, right? A film that changes the game and definitely is like, hey, this is what's popular, not those, like, those musicals. And it's definitely changing into that way. In the 70s, man, you know, you, you, you've heard me talk on our podcast about how much I love the 70s because it, it completely changes everything. There's, it feels like there's just no fucking rules as that decade starts rolling, and it's awesome. True, and you can feel that kind of creeping along in the late season. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. The Hayes Code being abolished opened the door for so much just imagination to finally mm-hmm. embrace Hollywood. And you see that in films like you know, Z and Midnight Cowboy. Midnight Cowboy would never have gotten made before this time. Like It's a film about, you know... a a, hook, a, a male prostitute making his way through New York City. <laughs> you could never do that in the early 60s. No, 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 yeah, no, no way. What's the movie that won before? The, I think it's Oliver is the film that yeah. won the year before this. The only like, G-rated film to ever win Best Picture. Yeah. The only X-rated film to ever win Best Picture. Yeah, just polar opposites. So, yeah, uh, things are changing. Hollywood is changing. You know, the Academy, everything around film is changing. And uh, I'm just really glad we chose Z out of this group to focus on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you think best picture goes to Z hands down. Yeah. Hands down. I, you gave them all an eight. I would I give Z, I would give Z a 10. I would give hello Dolly, uh, an eight. I'd give Butch Cassidy an eight and of a thousand days, eight midnight cowboy nine. So okay. yeah, I, yeah, Z hands down. Yeah. I agree. I think that film is the most groundbreaking is the most, non-traditional and really has something to say and holds up today as kind of a warning of like, you know, do not let this happen again. 
like this is what led to the creation of a you know despotic government do not you know look at the warning signs like yes i love that because i see you know very similar things to what's happening in our own government right now and i'm i really hope we catch those fucking warning signs it's we're at a, a very dangerous turning point and, yeah you know this film yeah. i think picking this film was perfect for the current political climate because it really opened my eyes yeah and we had no idea so i i really felt like borderline fortunate and you know just lucky to have chosen this film watched it in the time we're in because yeah I, as we're, we're going to get in the plot here soon it's it's got some meat that we're going to have to chew on and talk about um it, it's infuriating at times we'll say that and uh I, i'm excited to talk about the scene to scene stuff here yeah and midnight cowboy obviously won best picture uh, y- yes yes and cha- changed you know again as a movie that helped change things a good movie uh very depressing <laughs> um, yeah yeah <laughs> extremely yeah in fact i'd argue kind of like a lot of these films hello dolly is kind of the only optimist up there the other four films are fucking downers yeah <laughs> i like downers <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh are there any uh, films that you think should have been up for best picture this year uh off the top of my head that is tough you know you know you know, I, you, you talk about the late 60s, so my mind immediately goes to late 60s films. Yeah. Maybe not, not, maybe not necessarily 1969. You know, I'm thinking, you know, movies like Rosemary's Baby from 68, and like I said, Bonnie and Clyde from 67, that kind of changed the game. But from 69, I'm not sure if I have one personally that should be here. Yeah, and that's really just because, you know, this is an era of film where we haven't done much research. We, we're still exploring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing, we're, yeah, we're doing our best. Is, is there one for you? Not really. Honestly, there's not a lot I've seen. There's uh, like the only other one besides the ones we watched that pops out are On Her Majesty's Secret Service, uh, George Lazenby's Bond film, but I fucking hate that movie. So I wouldn't consider that for anything. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I actually, I've been working on, you know, I had been communicating with you last night. I'm working on, well, we both are working on like a massive list of our favorite movies. And I was, I was writing some 60s movies down and I have 12 films from the 60s that are like in contention that i love and z is the only one from 1969 yeah it's actually not a very strong year for film despite you know apart from the ones that were up just yeah not a lot of heavy hitters out there for for this year except for the wild bunch i've heard that's really good yes yeah we definitely need to see that and hey if there's if you have a personal favorite and you're listening throw it at us we'll watch it yeah, eventually we'll come back around in 1969. We'll do another movie from this year. Who knows what it'll be? Maybe, you know, something you recommend. Yeah, and, and my vote as of right now, if we come back to, 19, uh, to 1969, would be uh, they shoot horses, don't they? That yeah. just seems like, that seems like kind of like a hold on. Uh, should that have been in the best picture category? Well, it was up for nine, award, nine nominations, but it did not get nominated for best picture. Exactly. Really, really interesting. Yeah, me too. So now let's talk about the two awards that Z did win. Yes. Best film editing. And it was up against... We have Hello, Dolly, Midnight Cowboy, The Secret of Santa Vittoria, and They Shoot Horses, don't they? And uh, yeah, I think Z. I think this was uh, pieced together very smart. I think a lot of the film is, you know, reusing old scenes in a smart way. 
you know, flashbacks and kind of restructuring things. And uh, yeah, edited very well. I give it to Z. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mentioned that earlier. That's one of my favorite parts of the entire film. Francois, just great work. Uh, him, him and Costa, you know, the, these guys all working together. It's clearly, clearly we are in good hands the whole time. Right on. And now best foreign language film, the one that it really like was going to win regardless. Uh, we have Z for Algeria, the winner. Adeline 31 from Sweden. The Battle of Neretevia from Yugoslavia. The Brothers Karamazov from Soviet Union. And My Night at, My Night at Mods from France. Two of these places aren't even countries anymore. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I mean, Yugoslavia. I, oh. Yeah, you have, you have yeah, Croatia now and all these different countries. Serbia. Yeah, that is amazing. Soviet Union. Wow. History, you know, this is part of the reason we like to look at this stuff because it's just fascinating to see how things change through film and history. And I love that in the midst of the Cold War, we have a film from the Soviet Union up for best foreign, foreign picture. That's weird. We, we need to see that movie. Apparently it's incredible. Yeah. I honestly, I'm really, I regret that we didn't watch these movies too. I, that didn't even occur to me. It, it occurred to me, but I was like, oh man, those are going to be, it's going to be hard to find all of them, right? You know, but, yeah. but, I, but I definitely want to want to visit them just for the sake of having a review up and just to talk about them, man. I think we're going to, I think we'd really dig uh, the Brothers Karamazov, yeah. I, I think it's interesting that we're even talking about Z. Like there's very few, and I don't mean to toot our own horn here, but here we go. Uh, there are very few film podcasts out there that I think are willing to go into foreign films from the 60s. Or even, you know, mention foreign film beyond, like, you know, uh, the current decade. But yeah. we like to explore, you know, this is an Oscar-based podcast. And best foreign film is an Oscar category. It's important. It, you know, it oh counts. Oh, my God, yeah. Oh, There's, best film editing counts, you yeah. know. Best sound, best everything. We did Fight Club last week. Uh, fuck, yeah, everything counts, yeah. And I like that we're willing to go there. We're willing to, you know, really talk about anything that was ever up for some gold. Yeah, no, yeah, it's, it, it opens up so many doors. Absolutely, we're setting a nice precedent here. Uh, yeah, so those are the awards. One, two, lost three. Uh, do you think this was a decent hit, like, money-wise across the world? Yeah, it, yeah it, did, it did do fine, and it made $17 million here in the United States. It was a, a sort of a hit here with the, with the young people, and <laughs> I, I imagine uh you know get in a time machine with me connor and take us back to 1969 and we're 25 years old as we are now today i'd venture to say that we'd be like oh i want to see this film you know what is this this fucking kind of like gritty dangerous true story had to change the language just so they wouldn't get in trouble i mean yeah you know sign me up right uh sign me up for something like that right now sign yeah. me up for something like that in 1969 it, it definitely had a hold on young people and it was a hit at Cannes. Uh, all the, you know, festivals, it just, you know, ran its course. And then of course, being up for five Oscars, man, is, is hard for any film to do. Much less a Z from 1969, a, fo a foreign film, an Algerian film. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that the biggest you know, draw to young people was that this is a film about revolution. This is a film about not, you know, embracing the word of the government, but, questioning it and this is what people were doing at that time you know, they were protesting vietnam they were like they were pissed and this is a film that embraced that 
level of pissed. And even though, you know, it's not the same war, it's not the same country, but it's the same message. It's the same spirit. And people understood that. And I, I think they still will. Yes. Yes. I find that people just need that push, right? I need that push sometimes. Um, that's what this podcast did for this film and did for us to watch this film. And I, I think you hit on something really important there. You, you watch stuff to, to learn and to grow and to entertain yourself and all, all, the, all these things. And, and you can kind of get lost, right? Or you can kind of, what, what, what's really important? What should I really be watching? And, and I got to say, I, I think Z is one of those must watches. Yeah. I, I, I think it is a movie that would resonate heavily with young people right now, heavily with all kinds of people. There's a moment we're going to get into in this film that just kind of like hit me like a ton of bricks because, because of how, like, look at this setting. You know, you just break it down and look at it on paper. This Algerian French movie based on a, a, a story in Greece. And here I am in the United States watching it in 2020, 50 years later. And it's, it makes sense to what I'm seeing with my own country. Yeah. So, so these things, this history repeats itself. There's some truth to that. And it's not just happening in the United States. It's happening all over the world. And with all the kind of crazy shit happening right here on our own soil, and with the election coming up, with COVID, and these, you know, just serious injustices to people of color in our country. Uh, you, 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 it's hard to throw something like this, like, hey, you should learn about this Greek shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But you should. You should. You should be aware that not only our country goes through this shit, that other countries are too. And there's other people out there fighting for what's right, you know? And it's, uh, it's inspiring and it's influential. Yeah, the revolution is ongoing and it, it will never stop. I mean, there's always going to be somebody trying to fuck things up. Yes. And we just have to recognize it. That's the only thing. We just have to notice that it's happening and fucking stop it. And that's what they tried to do in Greece, but the guy was assassinated. The uh, um, Gregoris Lambrakis in 1963, a Democratic Greek politician assassinated. And this movie kind of chronicles the fallout. Yes. And, uh, it has an IMDb uh, score of 8.3, very good score, and a Rotten Tomatoes score of 93%. So, yeah, this is a pretty uh, universally beloved movie. I think it's on Roger Ebert's great movies list as well. Yes, he called it his favorite movie of 1969. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, I, I, it's, again, it's a must-see. If you have not seen it, please go watch it. If you have HBO Max, go check it out. If you have Criterion, go check it out. I think it's two ninety nine on Prime as well, so or three ninety nine. So yeah, there's ways to watch it. Come back and listen to us after after you watch it. <laughs> yes, indeed. And I think with that, let's uh, let's get into the plot. Yes, sir. So we begin at the closing moments of a government lecture, but first we have some pretty high octane opening credits. It feels like a military parade. Yeah, no kidding. And my favorite bit of that is when the disclaimer comes up that says. Any, uh, like any uh, characters who are you know loosely based on real like on real figures, is fully intentional. <laughs> I love that. It's not like you know. Usually the disclaimer is you know, not intentional. Please don't sue us. But this is like we fucking dare you. We know what we're saying. I love that. 
I, yeah, hell yeah. No right kidding. from there, I was like, this is going to be cool. Yes. Yeah. No bullshit. Let's do this. Yeah. It re- it really is. It it, gra- it really grabs your attention. And I, I felt it. I felt the like, uh Oh, I'm about to watch a classic. I felt <laughs> it. It's a nice feeling. Yeah. Hell yeah. No, it, you, when you watch as many films as we do, of course it's a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> ah. So this lecture, uh, and slideshow is on agricultural policy and it's led by the security police of the, a right-wing military-dominated government. This guy's the head of, like, the secret police. And uh, he takes over the podium to talk about how the government is intending to combat leftism, democracy, you know, kind of seeping into the people. And he compares leftism to a mildew of the mind, says that, you know, it's an infiltration, and we have to nip it in the bud. We got to root this shit out. Like, he's talking like it's, you know, got to get the weeds out of the garden. It is fucked up. It is, he wants to just, you know, uh, what's the term? Uh, let's sanitize. No, cleanse. Ethnic cleansing. That's what he Yes, saying. yes, yes, yes. And yeah. we picked, you know, I picked up on that immediately. Like, whew, this is, uh, this is not your average political thriller. This is, this is on a different level. <laughs> yeah. And uh, from there, we shift to preparations for a rally of the, the leftist politicians led by a pacifist uh, deputy who's never given a name. He just represents, you know, the future. And there's already a threat against his life that nobody takes seriously, and, uh, except his people. Yep. <laughs> and he's going to give a speech advocating nuclear disarmament, and he's being, you know, out in the streets, there's protests for and against this guy. Amazingly, there's people against. Like, it's just, you can brainwash anybody. Yeah, truly. Uh, and a lot of people at that. Yeah. It's freaky. The, you know, the masses. If you can control the masses, you can control anything. Yes. Uh, and the government has been attempting to prevent this speech. They've closed down his venue. They've took away his permits. But he's going to do this. And they realize that. So, you know, if you can't kill the speech you got to kill the guy it's the only way and uh <laughs> and people, it, it's so dark you're watching this like and it is the way it's moving you're like oh man shit the camera is shifting back and forth like nobody's business and you you're you're forced to keep up and, and then you you take a second to realize how heavy the situation is and that nobody's listening nobody yeah. in power is listening to them and how they're like we are getting death threats. Like, please, yeah. please like give give us an escort. I, that scene when they go into the hall that they already had, you know, scheduled to be in for this, for the speech, that guy just keeps screaming at them. Like, you know, you don't have your papers, don't have your papers. Like, Oh my gosh, man, that the infuriation, you know, just begins from there and you're infuriate, infuriated throughout. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, his, um, the right-wing government's refusal to, to help the leftist politician because he's a threat to their party, it reminded me so much of Trump's cabinet doing yep. whatever they can to fuck up states run by Democratic governors. It's, yep. You know, the, it's not us. It's us versus them. And it's the worst mentality you can fucking have. Like, the nation needs to come together in, on all matters. Party politics destroy 
everything. And oh, yeah, this film just there's so many parallels and it's fucking crazy. It's scary. Oh. So on their uh, the people handing out leaflets about the change of venue are attacked by thugs under the command of the cops. The police are like, get them. It's fucking, you know, Stalin Russia. And um, on his way to the venue, the deputy is hit on the head by one of the right-wing protesters, but he carries on. And uh, he's hit on the head with, like, some kind of... I don't know. I couldn't tell what it was. It looked like a gun. Yeah, yeah. Some kind of weapon that, that was, like, blunt. Yeah. Everyone in this has a club, which is weird. It's a weird, like, personal weapon. And not just the cops, like, individuals have these clubs yeah just going to town on each other with them in the middle of the street so he carries on with his speech and his speech is impassioned and it's powerful and it's clear that his party is going to take over in the next election the right-wing people realize this and they have to do something so they very quickly hire these two guys to drive past him after the uh after the speech, drive past him in the street and whack him on the head. Bad. Just boom. He goes down. They rush to get him to the hospital. And uh, he's, that's Oof. a crazy scene. That is a crazy that, thing. That, out, that out scene, of control really fast. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's the scene I would point to as like, holy hell, uh, as far as just the weight of it and how, how amazing it looks. Because then you have that guy who starts chasing the car. And he gets, he jumps into the bed of the truck and then he starts fighting and, and they're, you know, uh, I don't know how they film this because it, it looks so goddamn good, but they're going whizzing right past cars and his head is right outside the window and it's coming back and, you know, hats off to all these guys that are, that are in charge of the way this movie looks and moves because that scene is spectacular. Well, the fact that they had no budget for stuntmen, like that is them. Like they are yeah, legitimately yeah. driving just, through like the Algerian streets fighting in the back of a, of a delivery truck. That yeah. is unbelievable. Yeah. Then he pushes it. He pushes him off. The guy rolls and then he smashes the window and it's like, Oh, now he's going to go for the driver. And it's just thrilling, thrilling stuff. Yeah. And he pulls over and just beats the shit out of this guy. The driver beats the shit out of the guy and there's witnesses and a cop pulls him, like comes and intervenes like, Hey, get off him. What are you doing? And he's like, no, it's just my, my cousin. He's sick. And everyone's like, I saw you beat him. Like, what are you talking about? You beat the shit out of him. Yeah. He's like, no, it's my cousin. He's, he's, he's just drunk. They put him in the back of the truck and then he wakes up and takes off. And that guy, uh, I think that's Vago. He, um, he gets like almost arrested, but the cop later on, we find, uh, we find out that the chief, the head of security, head of police told the cop, you know, rewrite your report and let him go. This is not your concern. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Oh, I hate movies when, you know, there's no justice, but that's just the fucking way the world works. There isn't very rarely justice in the world. Yeah, truly. And that's, uh, you know, you brought up Iago, Iago and Vago, the, the cousins in this film, they, uh, great performances by both those guys. Yes. So the, uh, the deputy gets driven to the hospital. Uh, he goes through surgery. The second I heard, like when, when this, they're doing the surgery, the second I heard brain surgery, I'm like, oh, he's gone. 
Like they're not bringing him back. <laughs> yeah. yeah no. And uh, turns out, yeah, he gets killed. And uh, at first the police are investigating this as an accident or manslaughter at the lead, at the very most. They do not even consider the possibility that this was murder. And the magistrate who gets put on this case is played by Jean-Louis Trintignant, and he is fucking great. He's such a, a solid citizen. Yeah, I would, have, I would have said that he probably should have been up for Best Supporting Actor as well. I'd give him Best Actor. Like, I yeah, that, that that's fair. I I, just, I I felt like I guess there's there's a there's a chunk there, but it's it's pretty much just the beginning. Yeah, you're right. Well, this film is very much an ensemble piece. There isn't really a lead yeah, character. Yeah, that's so true. I, I that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's it's tough. Either way, he should have been up. <laughs> yeah. So, once the injury is fatal, uh, the police start manipulating witnesses to force the conclusion that this was manslaughter. That it was a drunk driver. This was not, you know, an intentional hit by the government. But turns out it was. And the autopsy uh, proves that it was not hitting the street that killed the deputy. It was a massive whack on the head that killed the deputy. Yes. So now the magistrate is treating this as a murder. He can't openly say it. They, come, they say that many times in the movie. Like, you can't, it's not a murder. Don't call it a murder. Like, words are very important in this movie. Like, you have to be very careful what you say and who you say, around, say it around. Yes, it's like, it's like being at Hogwarts, man. You just uh, you can't be saying Voldemort, you know? <laughs> it's, you know, it's a communist society. You have, to be, you have to assume you are always being watched. Yes, yeah, which is uh, a part of the whole tone of the movie, right? Is just kind of like creepy, kind of like always, always creeping. And that, that sense is... That, that sense of somebody kind of watching you is, uh, I don't know why I can't take my eyes off of it. You know what I mean? It's intoxicating. The strange thing is, though, they hate communists. Like, they have such staunch anti-communist ideals. Like, if anybody calls you a communist, like, you're going to prison regardless of evidence. But they have, you know, a state-controlled regime. Like, it's, it's basically a communist society, that in, but, it, you know, without the name communism. It's, it, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a bully who just like hates himself and doesn't know what to say or do, and so they just, yeah, you know, yeah, you know those guys. Yeah, <laughs> the magistrate starts investigating this now, believing it to be a murder. He gets evidence from this photojournalist who uh, gives him pictures of all the people involved in this uh, communist uh, organization that the two arrested. Uh, perps Yago and Vago were a part of and mm-hmm. their interrogation uh, Yago particularly there was a line that really disturbed me and they never came back to it it was when he was uh he's being interrogated Yago and they're talking about his prior convictions and he's like yeah I had one for drunk driving one for yada yada and one for rape and they're like rape he's like well it doesn't count I was a boy scout leader and then they just walk away from that like what does that mean <laughs> Like, yeah, that guy's a sociopath. This yeah. guy's a monster, and they just they just left that. Like, god damn. <laughs> that, oh, anyway, I just had to I had to mention that. Yeah, no, and that's the guy who's in uh, also in French Connection. Yeah, <laughs> he had a good couple years. Yeah, Gene Hackman fucking got his ass. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Um, so using this evidence, they then confront. Uh, they give the pictures to a witness, a guy who was, go- who was already going to uh, 
uh, give evidence to the cops, but then on his way to the police station, he got whacked on the head, ended up in the hospital. And <laughs> the head of security guy walks in there to the hospital and says like, so you tripped, right? And he's like, no, I was whacked in the head. So you tripped. You're, you must be delusional because you tripped. <laughs> like it's very, it's so fucked up, man. <laughs> oh, general. And eventually this guy's like, no, I know what happened. And, but everyone's saying like, this man's lost his mind. He's, clearly doesn't remember and he tells the magistrate like look two guys came up behind me hit me on the head left me to die that's what happened (laughs) i love that guy and his family's like you need to stop talking what are you doing you're gonna ruin all of us he's like but i have to do the right thing and they're like no you just hate my husband (laughs) it's like jesus everyone's got just insane priorities exactly yeah yeah every character yeah insane so they give this guy pictures and he points out this one dude who's selling figs. Mm-hmm. And I love how they trap this guy. It is, it was, I was like, yeah, I was cheering like, damn, that was good. They, um, <laughs> this guy goes into the hospital room saying like, they put it, the guy, this guy's paper uh, face in the paper saying he, he's the one who attacked the guy. Yes. And fig man runs into the, I don't know anyone's name in this. No one really has a name. Fig man. He runs into the hospital room. He's like, so I hit you, huh? Do you want to say that to my face? And he's like, yeah, you hit me. <laughs> and they've got journalists everywhere and the cops. Yeah. And they're, like, yeah, yeah, you- yeah. and they're like, how did you know? He's like, I saw my face in the paper and I ran over here. And they're like, the paper didn't go out this morning. And he's like, fuck. <laughs> you could see the defeat and terror in his eyes. He's like, oh, <sighs> shit. They're like, so who who coached you? And he's like, I don't want to tell you. He's high up in the government. Don't make me tell you. <laughs> Fuck, man. Ah, <laughs> idiot, 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 man. Oh. I loved it. I love love that scene though, because yeah, you saw him at the beginning of the film being all rowdy, and you know that guy, same guy comes in. Yeah, nope, nope, not so strong when uh, they know exactly what you're doing, punk ass. <laughs> <laughs> and the magistrate is unflappable. Like the whole time he's just looking at him like, I know I have, I know I got you. So yeah. Spin me a yarn, you know, tell me another one. How, how, how good is the decision for him to be wearing the glasses? Oh, the magistrate. It's perfect. You just feel this, you know, you feel safe with this guy. Like he's going to get this done. He's going to figure this out. Yeah. I, I, this is, this might be a little weird, but you know, my brain moves this way sometimes. I got a little bit of Billy Bob Thornton. I could see that. I could see out of some of those scenes, you know, obviously speaking a different language, but out of some of those scenes and the stature and those glasses, I was like, I love this guy. (laughs) Who does he remind me of? And it was Billy Bob. (laughs) It's he, he really is. He's a very imposing looking guy. And, but he's who we're rooting for. Yeah. uh, As we go along. Yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. And he has this guy tell him like who, gave you you know who told you to knock this guy out who's who's your handler basically yeah come on let's go it's the um it's the colonel who like runs the like who runs security it's one of the higher up politic uh military guys so that connects the military to the hit and now he's got enough to prosecute 
And uh, before he can, though, the attorney general comes to him and says, you can't win this one. Like, do you understand what this means? Like, you have evidence against the state. The state is going to rub you out. <laughs> and it's, go- it's going to take away your career or kill you. And you need yeah. to make peace with that. If you're going to go forward with this, you need to understand the repercussions. And yes. that conversation, <laughs> it's, it's so dark, but it's so frank, and it needs to be said. And it's really for us to know these are the stakes at play here. This is not your typical investigation. There are more lives at stake here than you know. Yes. And I love having that clarity. And then the magistrate just straight up says, you know, I'm going to go for it. And he, he, he um, charges four military men, very powerful military men, with first-degree murder and abuse of power. <laughs> Damn. God. And then makes them walk through a cloud of journalists. <laughs> so everyone can know. My Lord. Mm. Um, our plot synopsis here is not very in-depth. We're, we're winging a lot of this. Yeah, no, it, there is not one on IMDb, so that's unfortunate. Yeah. This, is, um, this scene you're talking about, what it's doing here where they, the, the camera pans to the same shot and shows them walking in and they're confused and then they get arrested. And then they go to the door and they can't open the door. And so they keep walking down the hallway. And like you said, they're forced to talk to these journalists and reporters. And then that happens all four times. And they take, they have the patience. But at the same time, it doesn't take too much time. They have, they have the patience and the hustle to show you that part. And it's fucking funny because by the fourth time you're like, ha, this guy's going to try to open that door, but it's not going to work. And, and, and at that point in the film, it's rewarding you for getting through this film and watching this story and look at these bozos who are getting arrested. You know, it, it gives you that little moment of humor, that little moment. And, and I love that. I love that. That tone without being too on the nose. It's, it's, it's a tone through the cinematography and the editing and the directing without being like, hey, this is a funny scene. It's just, it's just by the way it's filmed. And that, that's pretty special. Yeah, and the general, the guy who's been trying to sabotage this whole thing the whole time, the guy you know from the beginning is behind this. Yes. To see the magistrate stand up to him and accuse him of murder is so damn Ah, satisfying. The look on his face. Like, how dare you? (laughs) Like, oh, God. And there's a few scenes, a few key scenes we left out, mostly due to, you know, just jumping around. We like to jump around. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We can point out some of our favorites. One of mine would be the, um, the you know, the moment that he, uh, Z, the the leftist leader, initially goes into that kind of plaza, right? And all these people are around, and you're thinking, why is this guy just kind of walking out front? Like, why doesn't he have these guys around him or whatever? And it it, it just shows you the weight of the situation. The guys he's with are very frightened. Because they know that there's threatened, you know, there's death threats and whatnot, and they know the weight of the situation. And by them knowing the weight of the situation, the audience does. And this film just does that again without putting it on the, you know, being too on the nose. It does those things by just the way it moves. And I, I love that as a fan. I love the interrogation scenes, all Ugh, of them. especially yeah. the one with the driver was infuriating because that guy acted so smug and it's like. So you just happen to be driving the car. 
even though you're the general's personal driver and you say the general didn't recognize you like come on man <laughs> so yeah yeah whatever yeah that and then then when um the deputy's uh, like right hand guy like his best friend it was chased down by the car that was nuts that was not subtle at all that guy was chasing him down sidewalks like geez. no that, no that that's an incredible scene and um that was one of the first shots of the movie I ever saw. And I was like, Oh, that's a cool shot of him with the car behind him and him running. That was a great shot. It's an incredible shot. And that's kind of what I was like, Oh, maybe this movie has something here. Right. And it does consistently has those kind of shots The the locations they're, they're using and actually filming with the cars moving. It's just, you, you point out the, they're not being any stuntmen that this is actually these guys. I, so much respect for this movie. Totally. Totally. So they, um, after the military men are accused, one of the deputy's associates rushes to go see his widow to give him them, to give her the news. And while they know the officers were indicted, you know, she's distressed because she knows that nothing's going to happen. They're going to get off. Justice won't be done. She knows that. And it's temporary. Yeah. And she's right. The epilogue shows what happened after. And it's fucking infuriating. You're back to being angry again. Yep. Yeah. The prosecutor, the uh, magistrate, is mysteriously removed from the case. Uh, several key witnesses die under mysterious circumstances. One has a stroke while in police custody, and the other one falls out a fucking window <laughs> under police custody. Yeah, that was an accident, sure. Uh, the assassins who actually did the crime receive pretty short sentences, and the officers get administrative reprimands. The deputy's close associates, they die or they're deported, and the journalist is sent to prison for disclosing official documents. And the heads of the government resign after public disapproval, but before elections are carried out, there's a coup, and the military seizes power of the country. And that's what happened when, um, in the initial assassination and the months to come. And what they do in this new totalitarian society, they ban modern art, popular music, avant-garde novelists, modern mathematics, philosophy, and the use of the letter Z, which is uh, a, Greek, a Greek term referring to the deputy, meaning he lives. So the, word, the letter Z was used as a political statement, and it was outlawed in Greece. And that's the end of the movie. It just ends with like, and by the way, everything was fucked. Credits. <laughs> Gee, I was sitting there like, that's that's a downer. <laughs> that's uh well that's that's the difference between you know this is this is a real story and then there's there's movies that get made that are not real and would end like we got the bad guys and they're in jail don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that like you pointed out that's not how life works you know justice is very hard to come by change is very hard to come by you know it's either going to take forever to change or change isn't going to come at all you know it takes a lot of work and. Damn, man, this movie whips you around, and then at the end, you're like, let's go, let's go. And then, boom, punches you in the face. Sit back down. Yeah. Sit man. back down. Sit back down. Now go read about the real story. And that's exactly what I did. I think that's what you did. Yeah. We just, we were both kind of rocked by this one. And the speech that he gives before he's assassinated, obviously, is, uh, is something people should listen to. Just like um, we, we talked about the speech, you, you said you did the whole speech from Great Dictator. <laughs> very, very powerful stuff. And 
Z's right, right in there with, you know, a, a, again, a film that is must see. Uh, please go check it out if you haven't seen it. Absolutely. I give it an eight. I thought it was very good. Yeah. Yeah. I, I give it a 10, man. Uh, first, first watch. And I'm, I already watched some of the commentary with it and I just kind of got lost on criterion because they have those interviews and I watched all of those with the actors and uh, just, yeah, special, special movie right here. For sure. For sure. Um, anything else you'd like to uh, add about Z? Not necessarily. Um, I do think that 1969 is a year that I would like to visit more films that weren't nominated, right? Just to get a better grasp of what's going on around it. But as far as I know, this is, this is my favorite film from that year. So yeah, I just encourage people to see it. Right on. I guess that takes us into this week in film. Yes, sir. And uh, we already, we, we don't want to, you know, hammer home too much about Chadwick Boseman's death. It's just going to bum us out. So we're going to talk mainly about the uh, three trailers that were revealed at the DC fandom this past week. Oh boy. Uh, yeah. Yeah, man. I, again, you know, Chadwick, like you said, we're both kind of speechless about it. He's such a legend. We love him so much. Um, and, you know, we'll find ways to talk about him. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, so let's start with the, Justice League Snyder Cut trailer. Um, <laughs> I want I want to have hope, but it's Zack Snyder, and I I don't like him. I just, Neither do I. Neither do I. I find him smug, pretentious, and completely self-absorbed. But I don't I don't get this you know this geek like love of him. Like, I don't understand why they expect his film to be any better. Although I will say it does look exciting, but that's only because I fucking love dark side and I'm glad we're finally going to see it. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's going to, it's going to get the nerds out no matter what, <laughs> just from, from those kinds of things. And we're going to watch it. I just, uh, yeah, it, it's just kind of a laughing matter to me uh, as far as the trailers and all that go. Cause I, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. Zack Snyder is not my kind of guy. Well, and he had to use the fucking Leonard Cohen's hallelujah from the super awkward sex scene in Watchmen. Really, man? Ugh. <laughs> oh, and I don't know. I just, it's going to be a four-hour miniseries, which means we're going to be, like, very much in his world for four hours. So it's going to be very self-indulgent, a lot of slow-mo. And here we, you know, here's hoping he actually does justice to the Justice League. But, you know, I'm not holding my breath. I saw Man of Steel. I saw Batman versus Superman. I'm not holding my breath. Agreed. <laughs> then we had this, uh, the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's approach to a sequel reboot of uh, David Ayer's movie. I don't know why he... I do not like the title at all. <laughs> Suicide Squad followed by The Suicide Squad. <laughs> it's just... It seems lazy to me. Yeah, and... And, you know, they want to do the thing where it's like, this is definitely a James Gunn movie, right? Yes. <laughs> and and that's that's obviously fair and understandable. But, yeah, I agree with you. There's like a lack of – they're trying to be like cute or whatever, and I just think it's a lack of creativity. Um, okay, yeah. So the big title, trailer – Titles are titles are important. Yes, yes. Call it, you know, Suicide Squad colon something or I don't know. That's all I got. Well, Suicide like, Squad like, 2 would have worked. Yeah, we saw we saw with Birds of Prey, like people were just like, "What is this?" That movie went, you know, 
Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous whatever. Yeah. And then it what? was Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey, and then it was just Harley Quinn. Like, pick a lane, guys. Yeah. Jesus. I don't even know what to call that movie anymore. No, um, neither do I. I did like it, though. Yeah, I thought it was pretty – I thought it was fine. Yeah, even McGregor's awesome in it. Um, so the big – the trailer basically was just revealing who everybody is going to be playing in this movie because that was the big secret. Like, big cast – but who are they playing? And James Gunn went for almost entirely very lesser known characters. Like I'm, I was surprised that I, I knew maybe three of these people. He kind of has to, right. If he wants to really do away with that movie from 2016. It's true. So he's got Margot Robbie returning as Harley Quinn or 2017. I can't remember. 16. It was 16. Yeah. 16. Yeah. I remember. Cause I quit draft house the week before. Cause I did not want to work that movie. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that cycle, the last one I worked was Jason Bourne. And that was just, that was awful. Yeah, I didn't like it. <laughs> Those movies, it's always like, oh, you thought he was the real leader of Treadstone? Or actually there was this secret, 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 secret lead on the project and you got to kill him now. Like, I like the first three. It's not really Chris Cooper. It's Brian Cox. It's not really Brian Cox. It's Tommy Lee Jones. Like, yeah. <laughs> God damn. Pick a different avenue. Like, give me something new. Here's Jeremy Renner. Wait, what? Uh. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so we got Margot Robbie returning as Harley. Joel Kinnaman returning as Rick Flagg. Uh, Viola Davis returning as Amanda Waller. And Jai Courtney returning as Captain Boomerang. Everyone else is newcomers. We have Idris Elba as Bloodsport. I don't know who that is, but sounds cool. Alice Braga as Solsoria, Pete Davidson as Blaggard, Nathan Fillion as TDK, a new character, uh, Michael Rooker as Savant, Sean Gunn as the Weasel, or just Weasel, David Desmalchin as the Polka Dot Man. I can't believe that. Uh, John Cena as the Peacemaker, and my personal favorite, Peter Capaldi as the Thinker. Oh, that's perfect. I do know who the thinker is, and that's going to be exciting. And I love Peter Capaldi, so that's, that's just awesome. Yeah, the fact that it's so off the wall makes me want to see it more. And I've heard rumors that the big bad is Starro, the Conqueror, which is this giant alien starfish that uses, like, tele- telepathy to take over planets by, like – it's basically Slither. <laughs> it's James Perfect. Gunn's Slither with superheroes. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's not confirmed. It's just a rumor, but it, it's looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if anybody can do weird ass team of little known heroes and villains versus a strange ass alien, it's, it's James Gunn. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yeah. That's why DC hired him. So I'm hoping they just back the fuck off and let him make his movie. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what uh, worked with Marvel. So yeah. Yeah. Also with DC in recent years, you know, Patty Jenkins, Wonder Woman, James Wan's Aquaman, uh, Birds of Prey. I don't remember who directed that, but DC was pretty much hands off at that point because they've stopped trying to develop a universe because they were like, fuck, we lost. So yeah. just let them make their movie. And it turned out they've had their first hits in years. They didn't lose. They didn't lose. They like, they showed up for warmups and they saw what Marvel was doing in their warmups and they were like, oh God, what are we doing? We got to go back to the locker room, you know? <laughs> so there was there was no game. <laughs> no, but now these announcements, it looks like they might actually not just rival Marvel. They might beat Marvel 
with their idea of doing the DC multiverse. Like they brought uh, that in. They said like the Flashpoint movie they're doing is going to introduce this idea of a multiverse, which means anything DC has ever done is up for grabs. It's from, possible. It's yeah, possible. From Adam West Batman to Christian Bale's Batman to Michael Keaton's Batman, because you know they're all going to just go to fucking Batman. <laughs> and while that's cool, I hope they kind of branch out a little bit more. But, yeah, uh, man. I, I, it's exciting stuff to see that there's a possibility of them rivaling, because uh, that's what we deserve, right? With all these great characters, it should be two, the two monster DC and Marvel going at each other and all in good competitive fun. But uh, they got a lot of work to do, because Marvel has just been making quality films now for quite some time. Well, and now they have like the opportunity to bring back, like I know Keanu Reeves really wants to do John Constantine again. So they can oh, kind yeah. of, you know, polish that up. They can, you know, do, they might even be able to bring Watchmen into this. Like, this, Oh yeah. There's so many opportunities and not just like the full movie, but like, you know, pick and choose random characters for various adventures. They can do yes. that now. Yes. Including the TV shows. Like it's, it's fucking awesome. I, they should have been doing this from the beginning, but I'm glad they finally wised up. Yeah. Yes, wised up is definitely the best way to put it. And the big one that's going to propel DC into, I think, better waters than they've been in a long time, the Batman. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, our, you know, on Filmgasm, we've talked about, you know, how excited we are, uh, how much we love Robert Pattinson, how much we love Paul Dano, how much we love Colin Farrell, how much we love what, DC again is trying to do. And so it, 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 we're speaking for everybody. This is just wicked exciting. This movie looks like get my ass in front of a giant screen, beer, popcorn, the whole works. And I just want to consume something amazing. Cause it, it, it really does. They're not even done filming it yet, but it looks fucking awesome. He's only filmed like 20% of the movie and he's got this amazing trailer that tells yeah. us everything we need to know about this world. It looks like, like Matt Reeves has captured the tone of Batman better than anyone else ever has. And Pattinson's playing a fairly inexperienced Batman only on like his second year of, you know, work in Gotham city. So that'll be very interesting to see a, a younger Batman who's kind of, you know, working things out, kind of figuring out what kind of hero he wants to be. Yeah. And we're going to see, you know, a unpolished Riddler who looks like just a fucking psychopath. That'll be great. Uh, Colin Farrell's Penguin looks unrecognizable under that yep. myth cuff. Zoe Kravitz Catwoman, I'm very excited about. Jeffrey Wright looks like a great Gordon. Andy Serkis, yes. I'm sure, is going to kill it as Alfred. I could not be more excited about the Batman. And the trailer was perfect. And now that is the movie I'm most excited to see next year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. As far as the stuff that we know, oh, yeah, no doubt. This is going to be epic. And I... I cannot wait to see what Robert Pattinson does. Uh, it's going to shock the world. I've heard he's uh, signed a three-picture contract. So, like, he's going to do three Batman movies. I've heard they're talking about doing Joker for part two. I really hope they go to Willem Dafoe because they already have great chemistry. <laughs> My Lord, yes, they do. Yeah. Like, picture this. Batman defeats the Riddler. Penguin is now, you know, a little scared. Like, you know, this guy can affect change in Gotham. So they go, you know, Penguin and the other crime lords, they go knock on the door of, you know, Gotham's original criminal, the Joker, who is now, you know, in Arkham, locked away, 
he finds out about Batman and he's like, oh, goody, someone new to play with. So that gives us the opportunity to have an older, more experienced, terrifying Joker facing off against a younger Batman. Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I Batman know. It's, part two. <laughs> it's, it's exhilarating to even think about. I, 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 I don't know. And, you know, there's so many unanswered questions with Joaquin and, like, is that going to be in play? And No. I guarantee and, you it won't. Yeah, he, he, there's no way he will. There's no way that movie will be in play with any of that stuff. So it's just, I, I wish, I wish I could see it. I wish I could see Joaquin really, really do it. Uh, but yeah, it's probably not going to happen. No, I mean, Joaquin's just not the kind of actor to do a franchise. He's just not. No, no. Isn't, you know, he's a one and done, you know, explore the character, feel the character, then move on. He Who's doesn't revisit next? anything. Yeah. So yeah, I wouldn't bet on it. Be cool, but I wouldn't bet on it. And no, I would no, like to I see them, you know, give new blood to the Joker. It's a, it's a role that I like to see actors kind of you know, experiment with because it's a role that really lets them go fucking nuts. And yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I just, we have never seen someone do it twice. That's, yeah, that's true. That's a shame. And I, and I, I like, to, I, I don't like that. I, I wish there was a way, you know, of course, you know, Heath, it would have been great if Heath could have done another one, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I, just, I, I wish there was a way to explore the character further because I, I think there's so, 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 so much there. Yeah. With, with the character, obviously. And then you, you also have these Batman movies where it's like the villain sometimes less is more. And, you know, in the Dark Knight, those scenes that, the, that you know, Heath Ledger is in are so powerful. And so it's, it's hard to like really figure out what would be best. But yeah, man, I'm, either way, I'm just so buckled up and so ready for what uh, the Batman in DC is going to do. So if they end up, I mean, obviously the Batman is going to be a huge success. I'm yeah. Yeah. Matt yeah. Reeves is going to knock this out of the park. He's going to be DC's new golden boy. Yes. Um, what are some villains you would like to see like done in his universe? Like villains who maybe didn't get their time to shine in the past or like villains you've never seen on, on the big screen. Like anybody stand out? Well, yeah, but Penguin would have been my call to read to redo him because I love the Danny DeVito performance. But as far as like a character who's not really gotten anything, that's a really interesting. I've always wanted to see Scarecrow get his own kind of film. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of guys that that haven't appeared in a film yet. Um, ugh. I, now that I think about it, I guess they have kind of chosen the ones that would be best for the big screen. Well, I don't know, because certain... I, I would really like to see a well-done version of Hush. I think okay, okay, really okay. Cool. I think, you know, the plastic surgery angle would mean we have, like, you know, two Pattinsons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That yeah, would yeah. be done really well. And of absolutely, like, I think the, the villain for part three, if they, like, if it gets that far, I hope it does. I want to see Mr. Freeze done correctly. Okay, 100%, right? You go back to that, that film, right, and how kind of che the cheese that's involved with that. Yeah, if you could get a Mr. Freeze in this kind of a tone with Matt Reeves, yeah, you're right. That would be really cool. And, yeah, I, again, I, I really do think Penguin would have been my answer, and I'm just so glad we're getting it again with a guy like Colin. I think the Mad Hatter would be an interesting idea. I think that could work really well. Fuck yeah. I mean – I mean, yeah, think about all the characters on Injustice, right? When you're fighting, you're like, I mean, any of these guys would be badass on the screen. <laughs> Fucking Clayface would be sweet. I, 
I'm, I'm open to anything. I'm really excited to see what Matt Reeves Gotham city is going to be like. Yeah, me too. You know, you know, you know, myself, you know, Batman returns is big and I love, I love tone. I love the atmosphere. So I, I, I got from that trailer. What I gathered was, all right, we're in good hands. He's going to, he's got a really good feel for what Gotham is. For sure. And also Dwayne Johnson uh, finally released a little bit of info on his Black Adam movie that's been in production hell for like six years. Black Adam's a cool-ass character, yeah. That's finally coming. Uh, Shazam 2, uh, that title was announced. I don't remember what it was. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Um, But it's been just cool to see DC finally have something to bring to the table. Just trying, uh, yeah. Here we go. I'm excited for the next, you know, phase of comic book films. Marvel's, you know, going to be experimenting with a post endgame universe you know where are our heroes now where do we go from here and dc is pretty much starting from scratch with a whole new idea so bring it on you know as a fanboy it's the best time to be a geek it really is everything oh, is up in the God, air yeah. anything is possible it's so cool yeah it's beautiful and that's 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 a great you know great way to segue into what we're going to be doing next week here on this show yes uh oscar sunday obviously we are tackling films that have at least one nomination. Um, and the one we talked about today, Z had five. But next week, due to the recent death of Chadwick Boseman, we're going to go ahead and honor him and do a whole episode on Black Panther. Yes. Uh, 2018 game changer, you know, up for best picture. Really, you know, really just rocked the culture when it came out and I'll never forget when it came out. It made that full year like lap because it came out in February of 2018 yeah. and it made the, the full lap and was nominated for a bunch of Oscars. And we feel as though it is undoubtedly Chadwick Boseman's, you know, the biggest part of his legacy is playing black Panther. So yeah. we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to base the episode around that. We'll talk a little bit about that Oscar show, but it's mainly about Chadwick Boseman yeah. and, and his, and his performance as black Panther his performance as James Brown, as Jackie Robinson, all of these amazing things he's done. So come back with us next week if you want to hear more about Chad. If you're a Filmgasm uh, fan, you can think of this as kind of an unofficial Weird Shit Wednesday on the life and career of Chadwick Boseman, using Black Panther as kind of a nexus. Yes, yes. That'll be next Sunday uh, for episode 14. We can't wait. Yes, we can. And uh, this was a great episode. Z was a a solid film, and really, you you should check it out. It's a... it's not boring because it's foreign. Ugh. It's an awesome movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Isn't that so annoying? Yeah, just getting rid of that completely, that, that, that thought process that old movies or foreign movies just aren't, aren't for me. You know, no, check it out. Check it out. Keep exploring. The best thing about doing this and Filmgasm, I know I say that about fucking everything, but for today, the best thing about doing this podcast is I don't even, like that doesn't even come into consideration with me anymore. Like, I don't give a shit what language the film is in. I'm here oh, to be no. entertained. And if it's like, you know, if it's Algerian, if it's, you know, Mexican, if it's Japanese, I don't care. All I care is, is it good? <laughs> and yes, yeah, that's what I'm looking for. So it's nice, movie? To, it's nice to just, you know, knock down the language barrier when it comes to film. Fuck yeah, man. Yeah, so much fun. And um, speaking of, you know, podcasts and what these do for us, uh, our episode 100 for Filmgasm is on Wednesday. Yes, it Holy- is. Holy hell. Uh, it seems like, you know, where did the past 99 go? But uh, we're here and we're going to be talking about Twin Fucking Peaks. <laughs> yes, indeed. Fire walk with us on Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> and we will see you next Sunday. Peace. <laughs>